Are we recording? Yeah, we are. Welcome to we the Crawley and Drago sessions. We started we this are. podcast without you all. Um, yeah, we're talking about isolation. We're talking about things Yay. that we are doing. On Aren't we all tired of, of hearing about <laughs> isolation? Aren't we over it? We, I think we're, I think we're over it. I think people are sick of hearing things. I think that, um, you know, the fact that uh, we're all in count in close quarters. Yeah, you know, my husband's just here in the kitchen making himself something, and my son's here half naked reading a book, and my other one's still in bed. You know, because. He well, can lucky today. for you, you can only see my shirt up because <laughs> there's, I'm not wearing much else otherwise. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, because it's nearly <laughs> bedtime for you, and that's all good. So we were talking about coffee and and coffee survival strategies uh, and how they differ between Canada and Australia, and it's probably best if we not bother the rest of the world with that scenario. But we were talking about isolation, and it's been about three weeks for you guys. Um, Yes. And so what kind of conditions are you on? What, what, well, so what well are the we're, you know, I think we're fairly fortunate um, relative to, you know, I was talking to someone in the Philippines who's not allowed to leave their house because the military is at the end of the road and they need passes just to go out. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're quite, we're quite fortunate. I can see cars behind you driving around. So I think we may be yeah. in similar yeah, yeah. situations, yeah. but you know, for us on the 11th of March, um, I, I was speaking with my COO, Louie, and I said, you know, I think we have to have a plan for the staff. As it was a Wednesday, I said, I think we need to have a plan for the staff for what we're prepared to do just in case this thing gets out of hand. Mm-hmm. And he was like, that's ridiculous. That's overkill. Like nothing. You yeah. don't have to worry about that. Then the next day I went downtown to a meeting and it was like midday. And between like the morning of being a total normal morning and a midday meeting downtown in the afternoon, everything got shut down. <laughs> March 12th, Thursday, March 12th. Yeah. It's like all the sports got shut down. Our school system got shut down for March break. But they said, you know, they're not going to come back. Um, and then I just never went back to work. So, so that was three weeks ago today. Yeah. And um, for us, I mean, I, we, we still take our kids outside every day. Um, yeah. I went for a run this afternoon and my son biked beside me and there were people on the path. He just stays six feet apart. Um, uh, about a week ago was my birthday. And on that day, they, they legally made it, <clears throat> they've shut down all non-essential businesses. They released a list of 74 classifications. Now, honestly, the 74 classifications are pretty loose. It seems like everyone but my company is allowed to be in business. Um, but, but <laughs> yeah, they, because it was your birthday. They did it on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want well, you like, to get too excited. They've been so broad, you know, like bicycle repair shops are considered an essential business right now. You know, like, like everyone is pretty much an essential business, but they, but, but there are, there are, you know, everybody's working from home or not working in the matter of two days. We had a million people. We only have 37 million people in our country. I think it's probably similar size to Australia perhaps, but we're not quite that we big, a, but yeah. Geographically we're similar people, size, but not as many people. Yeah. A million people went on unemployment insurance in, in five days. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. we, we've been pretty fortunate. You know, the government has really, really stepped up with very broad, very sweeping, massive, massive support bills They've canceled all of the regular application processes and just allowed everyone to go on, um, you know, 75% uh, of your salary is now covered rather than 40 or this or that. And um, other than, you know, staying home and spending time with my family and and focusing on work and going to the shops every, you know, once a week, uh, we don't do much else. (laughs) 
Yeah, and I think this is the thing, you know, we're all sort of you know, figuring out what this looks like. I think we're still figuring it out. I mean, our scenario was similar to yours. I had um, some of my inner circle coaching clients here for a weekend, working retreat, staying in apartments in my building here, um, and they all arrived on a Friday. We were, it was all very touch and go in the week leading up, like would, would, you know, were we going to be told this was a dumb thing to do? Were people going to decide it wasn't the right, the right thing for them personally to do? They all individually decided they still wanted to come. They still wanted to have that focused weekend of working together. Um, so they arrived. We had a very relaxed Friday night. We had a semi-relaxed Saturday night where we actually went out to my, my local French restaurant for dinner. And all the tables were like, you know, miles. Usually that place is packed. And there were like one table in this corner and one table in that corner and another table in that corner. And the restaurant was saying they wanted to move to a, to a comfort food takeaway because, of course, we're in autumn now, so the weather's cooling down. They wanted to move to a com comfort food takeaway model. That was their plan going forward. Uh, on the Sunday, we had the same that you had on the, the 11th or the 12th. You know, everything started tumbling and restrictions were being thrown into the air and flights were being up in the air. And so basically on the Sunday afternoon, the whole of the crew with me was on the phone or on the internet trying to change their flights to get home earlier because there was worry that they wouldn't get home. Um, so my home state of Tasmania shut their borders uh, very early on, it's an island, they now have such tight restrictions that even if you're a local returning home, so if you're a Tasmanian returning home, you have to go into a government facility for two weeks for quarantine. So they're mm. really, really clamped on that. Um, some of the states around Australia now that have that don't have hard borders, you know, they've got just roads, um, are closing their borders and putting bollards and gates and things, that, not gates, but, you know, barriers in the way um so that particular weekend states, it just are your states as such that they have i know i know they have jurisdictional borders but they i have mean state they're not, borders. but they're not they borders, borders like you're not allowed to cross it's against the rules right they're not well no but then they're not normally under mm. the current the current situation so western australia western australia is a very large area of land and has a very large indigenous population and so they've actually within western australia They've not only closed off their state borders, they've also closed off regions within Western Australia and you can't travel through from one region to the, the other without paperwork um, because they're working really hard. A lot of the states working really, really hard now to protect Indigenous communities. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's it's different state by state. Um, in Victoria here, we're now on, you know, making it very clear there's only four reasons why you should leave your house, exercise, essential shopping, medical care, and um, to go to work. To go to work uh, where? I, like if, if you're an essential if, service. If, if you're an essential service, yeah. So, you know, I mean, we've got construction and plumbing. There's a plumbing guy down here on our driveway. There's some road work people over there. Trams are still running. People are still driving shops. Some shops are still open, but it's getting tighter and tighter. Um, and, um, you know, I, I think Australia's doing a good job and again we're lucky we're an island but uh so we're not as far into it as you guys are but we're you know a couple of weeks behind and i don't know i feel like i feel like i don't know you guys got tom hanks all sick so i feel like you guys started getting it before us yeah, because no, our numbers I... are still very very low we only have 
I checked yesterday. I could check today. I think we only have 9,000 people who are sick. Yeah, we don't 9, have confirmed many. cases. No? Yeah, we don't have that many. No, no, we don't have that many. Most of them cases. are in, most of them are in Quebec. There's like 5,000 of them are just yeah. in Quebec alone. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, the big thing here was, uh, you know, the, the social isolation and social restriction rules were brought in. And mm -hmm. then that very weekend, there was this big uproar because people were all over Bondi Beach, like crammed onto Bondi mm -hmm. Beach. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they've now closed all the beaches. Mm -hmm. And uh, we now have a cluster in Bondi. So, um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, we don't have the we don't have the degree of community transmission that other countries are seeing, and certainly Tasmania at this stage, unless there's news that I've not seen today, um, Tasmania doesn't have any community transmission yet. I think all the all the cases in Tasmania, for example, have come from travellers from elsewhere oh, or cru cruise ships. Yeah, that's good. Mm. So, yeah. you know, we're, we're doing okay. Ours is almost, ours is almost <clears throat> exclusively through community. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's the big fear. So our Prime Minister said yesterday that we need to be prepared for this to be six months because we've not hit that, that community. We don't know yet where community transition, transmission might go. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so for businesses and uh, you talk about essential services, you know, I actually expected that uh, psychology 10, practices... people. As of today, we have 10,000 people tested positive, 250,000 right. people have tested negative. Yeah, right. So yeah. we've done a quarter million tests. Yeah, it's, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I think we're doing well. I think Australia is one of the top countries for numbers of people tested, um, mm -hmm. and which is obviously a great thing. Um, but we're like everybody else with shortages around, you know, protective equipment and so on we don't have food shortages or anything like that but um yeah you know you know i talk obviously being a psychologist i'm regularly talking to health professionals who are worried you know they're going into their practices in fact our um our hobart practice and our long system practice are functioning differently so my long system team are doing exclusively telehealth so they're all working from home and doing telehealth and we made that decision really early because two thirds of my clinical team up there are rural um, outreach workers. So traveling to medical centers in small towns and I just made a call. I didn't want them going into medical centers either from a risk of infection to them or a risk of transmission from them into medical centers in small towns. So we took an early decision to, for them to work from home. The Hobart team is still working face-to-face -face, um, and practicing social distancing, but they're considered an essential service before it was announced that they would be considered essential, actually, my thinking was, well, we may be an essential service, but it's not essential that we deliver our service face to face. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, we'll see how things go down mm -hmm. the track. But so far, you know, we've got a good mix and clients are responding well. But um, the sad thing... It's, it's interesting here. We've had people like we've had people refuse to work. So... My yeah. brother-in-law, for example, has a business that was listed as an essential service and his staff mm. said, we're not coming in. Mm. And he said, we're an essential service. He said, we're not coming in. And they all just walked off. So wow. yeah, yeah, it's, it's tough. It is, it's really tough. You know, um, yeah. one of my admin team members um, has an Im immune compromised family member oh, and, that, and that contributed to our decision to make the whole of the Northern team, the Launceston team work from home. So mm -hmm. we didn't want 
her family compromised in any way. Um, <clears throat> but <clears throat> I think what I'm what I'm seeing on the positive side, you know, and I don't know about you, but what I'm seeing on the positive side, which I keep talking about publicly because I'm so, I guess, proud of business owners who are doing amazing things right now, is innovation. And this is the this is the stuff that that the opportunities that excite me. Um, about the situation we're in right now, the opportunities for us to connect. I'm having more conversations with people now because nobody can make a time to, or we can't make time to have coffee, but we can make time to catch up on a Zoom. I'm having, you know, Friday night drink sessions with my team because we're all at home anyway. We might as well, you know, have, catch up and have a glass of wine together via Zoom. Um, but businesses who are doing really clever things like, um, you know, a, communicating really, really well with their community about what they're doing and how they're handling. So there's a, I keep talking about this little bookshop near us that um, has just been so good with their communication. So we knew all the way along, um, you know, when, how they were truncating their opening hours and how they were then moving towards a free delivery service for local community members and how they then moved to, closing the doors but having a, a skeleton crew on site behind closed doors to handle all the online inquiries and the home delivery stuff. And so I know with 100% certainty that I can still support my local small business bookshop and get books for the kids. You know, to me, that's really important. I'd rather do that than order something from Amazon. Um, See, no, no disrespect to Amazon. So much, we take so much comfort in knowing that Amazon is still delivering for us. Uh, absolutely. And, we and don't have all, any local bookshops, so we don't have to worry seriously. about that. Seriously. I mean, I think Oh, no, the closest have, bookshop is 45-minute drive away. Mm. Okay. So you live in the forest. No, I don't. I live in, I mean, we live in a, in a suburban <laughs> city. You know, we have 180,000 yeah. people here, so it's not a huge town. But, but I mean, when I say the local bookshop's book 45 minutes away, I'm actually driving to, we'd have to drive to a town of 7,000 people because it's like, we have bookshops here. They're just all chains. Oh, right. Yeah. To find a little. So if I drove to yeah. a really small town, I would have that nice little independent nice bookshop. Nice little one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the history of, uh, you know, the relationship with Britain going back, but in Australia, we do, I think we do the feeling of a village quite well. So even in Melbourne, I mean, you know, one of the biggest cities in Australia and within each little, little pocket, little suburb, there's a little village within each, each pocket. And so, you yeah. know, I've got a little village here where I get my cafes and my fresh fruit from, and then Albert Park, I travel down to and I get these jellies there as well and bookshops and all the things that I need. And Toronto. I Toronto's like that because it's a collection yeah, right. of hamlets, cities, you know, like, yeah, yeah. like even when I was growing up, I grew up in Willowdale and it's like, well, yeah. where is Willowdale? Well, it's like Willowdale's in North York and North York is a region within Toronto and Toronto's a region within the city of Toronto. Like, but yeah, right. I just knew that we grew up in this little place called Willowdale yeah, yeah, yeah. or Hillcroft yeah. or wherever, wherever yeah. you are. But, um, yeah. look, yeah, I absolutely they, they applaud. I applaud that we've got, I think that you're having the balance between the big conglomerates that can get us anything from anywhere. Like I actually need to buy new headphones for my laptop or my Bluetooth ones for some reason won't talk to my MacBook. So I need to get that, that is operator error at that point. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure it is. Um, but um, you think buying new ones will help you? No, buying ones with a cord will help me. So buying, ah. buying some plug-in ones. Yeah. Um, 
And so I know that I can jump online. I can go to the Apple store. I could go to Officeworks. I could go to Amazon. I know exactly that I could go to those big things to get that bit of tech that I need. Um, but I also have gotten to know my little local community well enough to know, and, and this is what I mean about the importance of communication with the small businesses, that I know which ones are doing good things. There are probably more that are doing great things, but I don't know about it because they haven't communicated it so well. Um, there's a butcher nearby, like a gourmet butcher, or organic butcher. They're doing a little drive-through service where you ring them up and order what it is you want. And then you drive and you park in their back car park and you ring them again and tell them that you're there and they bring yep. you meat out to you and off you go. And again, on Facebook, my sister's, they're, my they're, sister's they're present every that. day. Yeah. My sisters, uh, they, they awesome. order all their stuff from a farm. Nice. So eggs, mm. meat, um, all of that stuff, you, you ring them up on your way mm. home from, from work or from wherever you're at. And, yeah. and you, you literally push the button to open your trunk. They drop it in your trunk. So that way they don't touch you or anything. Nice. Off you go. Nice. I love it. Yeah. I love this. I love that. What I'm loving that I'm seeing a lot of is that, you know, some of these businesses are choosing how they're communicating with their communities in a way that suits them. So we've got, you know, the butcher is all over Facebook. And so they're beautiful photographs. They might be on Instagram too. I haven't actually checked. But the beautiful photographs of the meat. And, you know, I had, saw a beautiful photo yesterday of a side of lamb being hung. And, you know, and they were talking about, you know, it's nearly the weekend. Time to start thinking about a lamb roast for Sunday dinner and da, 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 da. And here's how you can use our drive through for service. You know, they're just really smart. And they're doing, they're maintaining their visual presence. Uh, the bookshop is all over um, email. You know, they're really good with their email communication and they've managed to nail, which I still haven't nailed, they've managed to nail their email communication so that it's actually, it's always on point. It's always telling you something interesting and useful and you never feel spammed. Mm-hmm. So I, I underutilise email because I, I haven't quite got that. I write really well. Um, for me, it's just doing battle with things like um, templates and stuff, and it does my head in, so I throw my hands up in the air and resort to Facebook. So don't use templates. Uh, so just send, I know, send I know, it. I know, I know, I know. There is, a, and I will now have more time to just get rid of the templates, go back to simplicity. And what about SMS though? Again. What about what about text marketing? It's a great way to communicate with people yeah. if, we're, if we're talking about it. You know, my my um, yoga studio that I went to, all of their health updates came through text. You know, mm-hmm. they have a system where if, if I haven't been there in a month, they text to say, hey, what's going on? You haven't been here in a month. What's mm-hmm. happening? We're still here. You still have credits. Um, it's great. Great way to communicate with people who love to communicate through text. Yeah, I think that's a really cool thing. I've not explored it much. I know that our system mm-hmm. for the practice, for the psychology practice, our system, we can SMS from, from within the system. And we, I know we can do that on a client-by-client basis. I don't know if we can do it on a bulk basis. I haven't looked into it. I had, a, I just don't know the answer to that. Um, yeah. And it's, and so email, um, Facebook, mm. uh, Instagram, Twitter, mm. text, whatever it is. The, the, I think the point that you're making though, is that um, there's not really, if, if it's on point and it's valuable, there's no risk of over communicating. No, no. Because in fact, it, honestly, you'll just drive away the people who aren't that interested. That's right. And, and most of the time, I think we as business owners are afraid of like, who, who cares? Who's going to pay attention yeah, yeah, to it? Yeah. If I send something out yeah. twice in a week, 
am I going to bug people? Because you think so little of what you're doing or so little of yourself or you're not really driving value or you're afraid you're not driving value. And so you don't do anything at all. But, but the answer is to communicate and just to do something that's That's good. That's meaningful. That matters. Right. That's right. And I think it takes us back to, you know, really early conversations when, when we might've talked about, you know, what platforms should people use for marketing in their business? And we talked about, it doesn't really matter to start with the one you're most comfortable with. And I think now more than ever, um, we really need small business in particular really needs to be working hard on maintaining their visual presence, whether that's, and by visual presence, I mean staying front of mind for people, letting people know that you're still existing, even if you've got your doors shut at the moment, perhaps especially if you've got your doors shut at the moment. Um, we, as you know, have a favourite French re- We've actually got two favourite French restaurants very close to us. And one, we consider one our breakfast restaurant and the other is our dinner restaurant. Those are so bougie. Um, My goodness. I know. My goodness. Know, your French restaurants and your little know, bookshops and your butchers and your coffee houses and all of this stuff. It just makes you want to vomit, doesn't it? But anyway, partly it's about me wanting to. I, I, I think we've talked. We've talked about this before. How I like to have a relationship with places yes. that I frequent, and yes, so I like talked to about feel, this many times. We've talked before. about this many times before, and so this is why I have my favorite little favorite. Anyway, so our our favorite dinner, French restaurant, uh, the the one that had the plan to go to takeaway. So we got an email from them. And uh, sadly, they announced that they were closing their doors and they were just going to wait, wait it out and that they'll mm-hmm. be back. And so I madly, I madly then jumped on and made sure that I was following their Facebook page and following them on Instagram. So I didn't miss any announcement when they reopen. Now, I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing anything regular from them, which makes me sad. And I kind of want to ring them up and say, Please keep us posted because we love you and we want you. To, we want to know that even if you're at home pickling onions, I don't care what you're doing. I just want to know that you're still there. And I think that for a lot of people in the community, that sense of uncertainty that we've all got, this is like the psychological impact of what we're all experiencing, right? All this uncertainty around us, the certainty that we can provide is just visual presence. So the visual continuity of the things that we love and cherish in our communities. And they are often small businesses. So it might be a gallery, might be any kind of business. You want to know something remarkable that, that we've kind of hit on. Um, And I don't think people are taking advantage of this. And I haven't really shared this with too many people. Um, The the old, the old saying is uh, what is it? The, that necessity is the mother of innovation. I was talking to someone about this yesterday. Necessity is the mother of invention. Yeah. Invention. Perfect. So when your backup is against, when your back is up against the wall, you know, if I'm having a bad quarter, I'm having a bad quarter. If I think that I'm in six months, I'm going to be bankrupt. You better believe I'm going to hustle. And so there was a post that, that a friend had on LinkedIn who talked about um, some kind of clinician, um, some kind of, I don't know if they were a physical therapist or a physiotherapist or or a massage, or I, I don't know what they were, but they said that mm-hmm. they had to shut their practice down and that they were, they, this business owner was, was running out of cash and on the verge of bankruptcy only a few weeks in. And so they desperately, they found some kind of online solution that might help. Mm-hmm. And it's not a perfect solution. It's not even a really good solution, but it's something. And they were inundated with customers who are desperate, not for a perfect solution, but they're desperate for something. 
And his point was that it's like, you have to try new things. And my point to him was, we, we want to try new things, but customers are not open to new things. Customers don't like new things. Customers don't like change. But right now, everyone is open to change. Yep. Customers are willing to change. They're willing to come up with something that's okay. And if you try something, people will applaud you. No one will get mad at you if it doesn't work. So yep. we have this weird, perfect storm where we are forced to be innovative Customers are 100% open to change and no one will get upset with you for trying. So That's why it. not try something? That's so true. That is so true. A friend of mine in Sydney posted something on Facebook recently, a photograph of her daughter doing her ballet lesson via Zoom. Mm -hmm. Now, if you'd said even a month ago, you could run, or two months ago, you can run a ballet class with everyone in front of a computer, people would have laughed at you. The the uh, acting school that my oldest son used to go to in Hobart, they've taken all their acting classes online. I'm in mm -hmm. communication now with a drumming teacher for, for Henry because he wants to do some drumming lessons and we're talking about starting with it being online classes. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's open slather. As long as you've got the courage. Um, I've been talking a bit about the example recently of a plumber that I heard of who's doing plumbing services via Zoom. <laughs> you, 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 can, you can show him what's going on with your blocked pipe or your blocked toilet. And, and he'll he can walk guide, you guide, and he will walk you through what to do. To well, listen, if, if aircraft controllers can help you land a plane in the movies just by yes, talking to you the through it, surely <laughs> then, then Mr. Frank, the plumber man, can walk you through unplunging your toilet. Exactly right. And this is the thing, you know, you're absolutely spot on. If people, if you're, if you start to just take some of the blinkers off, so using the mental health profession as an example, right? I've been having conversation after conversation lately with clinicians about, hang on a minute, stop assuming that every session has to be 50 minutes. Like that's our standard. 50 minute session, 10 minutes of writing notes, bang, your next client turns up. Yes. Um, what if, because this is all different, so what if, your client, what if you were focused on your client's needs right now instead of what you were doing before this all blew up, right? Mm -hmm. Your client might be, who knows, they might have been struggling with infertility or they might have been struggling with, with a chronic pain disorder or they might have been struggling with anxiety or whatever it might be and you were in the middle of a dedicated treatment program with them. Everything has changed. Your client might not actually still want to focus on that stuff they might want to focus on the anxiety they're feeling around what's going on around them right now. They might not need a dedicated or have the ability to sit confidentially and talk to you for 50 minutes from home with all their kids and their husband and all the rest of it. Yeah. They might appreciate a 15-minute phone call. Yeah, or a text and, conversation. So they can do it quietly me, and not have yeah. to say everything out loud. And everyone says, oh, but Medicare, our Medicare system, Medicare won't, cut, won't allow you to have a 15-minute telephone conversation. You don't have to include Medicare. You can bill privately for that. You negotiate with your client. And this is the thing. If you're innovating and you're meeting your client or your customer, whoever, whatever your word is for the people who pay you to do things, if you're meeting them where they're at and providing them with a service that is of excellent value, while everyone's in lockdown and you're able to give them what they need from afar, Mm -hmm. everybody wins everybody wins and so where I get excited I mentioned before you know the excitement about innovation I'm super excited to see when this all settles down where we what our new normal is you know like what 
I, I think, I think people will be so hungry and so desperate mm-hmm. to return back to some semblance that they will become um, um, sentimental and yeah. do everything possible to erase <laughs> this from their <laughs> memories. Even th- the innovation that might come from it, they'll oh, say, no, nope, we want to go back not. to the way things yeah, were before. I, yeah, I hope not. I hope we don't lose all of it. I hope we lo- I hope. The things that I hope is that I hope that everybody really embraces the fact that we've managed to more or less erase geographical boundaries because everybody's able to connect with anybody online. Well, here's the thing. I said this to my team a week ago. So now I'm I'm an introvert. And so week one, I was struggling with uncertainty and kind of fear. Week two, I got into a really good groove last week. And all I saw around me were things that I was like, this is amazing, right? You know, like people are being so graceful and forgiving to everyone. Um, you know, I'm not getting pounded and inundated with emails and demands and calls. Um, the team is working really hard and we're all working together. Every morning, my kids come down and one by one say good morning to me. Um, and they sit over here and they color and stuff while I'm doing my meetings and calls. And even my youngest joined me on, on, I didn't realize, but I was standing like this and her head popped into a conference call with a client. And I didn't even think that she was standing here. I was just like tapping her head, not paying attention. And then I realized I was like, Oh, okay. So she, she joined me for the call for the entire, the entire half an hour conference call. And so all I saw were things that, that I really liked and I felt kind of guilty because I'm an introvert and as an introvert, it's just like, this is this is heaven. Not having to talk to people. Oh, amazing. I love it. Amazing. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I think you, Evan and I have some similarities in that we are all quite actually introverted. We come to life in front of a camera. Uh, We come to life in front of an audience. Um, We're all creative entrepreneurs. uh, And yet our, our safe space is our own home with not too many people intruding on that space. Um, I'm a bit like you. Uh, you know, there's all the memes going around, you know, in, introverts be like, you know, I've been training for this my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it's great. But I think, I guess, when I think about bigger businesses and people who are used to working in bigger teams and all of that sort of stuff, yeah, sure, that's all going to, people are going to want to be back in the workspace. I think, I hope we'll see more flexibility come into businesses around things like working from home for parents and with sick kids and things like that because what we've done is we've proved we will have proved that it's possible so this is why Simon my husband nearly got stuck in Tasmania uh, about a week ago Um, he was trying to uh, prove a point at that stage you know it was all still a bit flexible so his boss was at that stage saying look I'm not sure your position's actually suited to remote work because he wanted to be here Um, so he said to me, I'm going to go back to Tasmania. I'll be in home isolation for two weeks because that was the rule at that time in Tasmania. You had to stay at home no matter where you're coming from. Now you have to be in a government facility. He said, I'll go back to Tasmania. I'll be at home for two weeks. It'll demonstrate to my boss that I can work remotely and then I can come back here. That was the plan. A couple of days in, again, everything started crashing around us and it reached the point where we were worried he wouldn't be allowed to go to the airport while he was on quarantine. We figured out he could do that. So we quickly booked him a flight the night before his flight, it got canceled and all, all flights with that airline got canceled. Um, Another airline had canceled all of their flights. There was only one airline left flying. 
they out of Tasmania. Uh, they had, I think, five or six flights the next day. We got on the first one for him to come back. He got to the airport two hours early because he was so anxious about it. By the time he was at the airport two hours ahead of his flight, all but two of the flights for that day had been cancelled. The one he was on was still going ahead. Uh, by the time he got to Melbourne that morning, uh, they had announced there would be one flight leaving Tasmania for the the following week. Mm. Um, so we got him out just in time um, because there was every chance that he would be stuck there for the duration. Um, right. And now I can't remember why I was telling you that. But, you know, I don't know. know. Companies being more forgiving, working from home. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's exactly right. You know, we've proved that it's possible. The irony for him, of course, that, that, um, you know, many people are losing their jobs the day after he arrived in Tasmania. To prove that point, he got advised his contract was being terminated um, because Mm. they didn't have enough work to support him under the current situation. But anyway, so I, I think, you know, I hope, I hope that big employers and smaller employers will, will, embrace the idea especially for parents that uh and and for anyone for whom it's hard to spend all their time in the office well so so that flexibility will be there yeah i mean here's another thing that so i was talking with um i was talking with a lawyer um and he was asking about the business and about things and how things are going and all this and i said and he said you know mark it's really tough so obviously most of the conversations we we have I have with anyone we're starting with how is your family because you don't want to be saying this is great this is amazing if someone is sick or someone's lost yeah, someone yeah, yeah, because yeah, it's already yeah. happening people are losing yeah. loved ones um and then the other thing is you know i'm really fortunate that my wife and i are in a good place and i'm in a good place mm-hmm. with my kids there's a lot of families who are being forced into close quarters where you know their marriage is already over and they were working through a separation or um, they have very rocky relationships with their kids or their parents or their siblings or whatever it is Um, or you have high needs kids or any of these number of things that i that i don't have to deal with so i'm I'm quite fortunate but um um or now where was i going with this (laughs) we were talking about working from home and i was talking about hopefully there'll be flexibility and uh and then you went all dark on me. <laughs> and then I went all dark on you with all the negative things that are happening. Yes. Um, but uh, I don't even remember where I was going with this. But that's okay. I'll come up with, I'll come up with a new train of thought. <laughs> you come um, with a new train. Oh, I was we'll speaking with a lawyer, train. right? And he was talking about some of that's the challenges right. they faced. <clears throat> and he, here's, here's the interesting thing for like me and my business or our business. Last May, I was at 21 staff. Right now, we're at eight staff members. Wow. Um, because... Through the fall and through the uh, through the fall for us, so September, all the way through to Christmas, our business was was shrinking, and it was really difficult and it was really challenging to you know allow staff to leave through attrition and not replace them and to shrink up. Um, but we made a t- bunch of tough decisions. We restructured some things in our business. We we already implemented remote working for remote teams. Um, I was worried last spring that, there, that a recession may come. So we started moving people from full-time employment to contract work. So that way I could, yep. I could expand and shrink as needed better. And so I'm talking to the lawyer and I'm like, you know, we just ran all of these financials and I'm pretty sure that if we don't do anything between now and our fiscal year, which is July 31st, mm. I think we're still going to break even. And he's like, wow, that's remarkable. But 
the, the, the gratitude that I had was thinking, huh, because I already did a lot of really difficult things six months ago or eight months ago, all that painful yeah. stuff that I didn't want to yeah, deal yeah, with yeah. has yeah. now me, put me in a better position today. Yeah. And the painful things that we're working through today will put us in a better position in six months or 12 months for all business owners. Because as long as you okay. can survive the fires and as long as you can survive yeah. um, your business being shut down and as long as you can survive all of these things, in 2021 or 22 or 23 or 24, you will be better off for having learned these hard lessons, um, taken a few things on the chin, gotten the experience, tightened up and focused on what really matters most. Yeah. Because yeah. we did it six months ago and I wondered why we were doing it. And now yeah. things aren't as bad as they could be. Yeah, 100% agree with you. I was talking with my accountant actually. Um, as you know, I separated my practice into two businesses and I sold one of them. And today is actually the very first day that I no longer own my Hobart practice. So I'm doing wow. everything I can to be distracted. Uh, I'm very excited. Um, I'm very excited for where is the money in your bank account. Oh no, no, it, no, we, we've got, um, you know, we've got a rolling arrangement going on there, but the, oh, okay. um, cause if the money's in your bank account, then I'd be like, I got nothing to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, the thing is the woman who's bought my practice is someone I've known for a really, really long time. And I have a lot of respect for, and we have a, a shared, uh, sense of the ridiculous, great sense of humor and shared pragmatism. Um, and, the arrangement we've got is that I will continue to consult to her and I've included her into my inner circle mentoring program as well. So she gets like basically saturated with support from me going forward. Um, and that also helps me feel a little bit connected to the Hobart team still, even though yeah, we'll cross pollinate. We're treating it almost like a partnership. Um, I'm so excited for her and for, for the team and where they'll go next with this injection of new energy. But of course, in these current situations, I should have been there. Like I was actually scheduled to be there, to have my last day with my team yesterday and the first day celebrating Alison taking over today. So it's a bit, a bit sad that I'm not there. Um, but, you know, I was talking to my accountant. We were just sort of talking about the sale and, and final sort of dottings of I's and crossings of T's. But um, we were talking about one of the new stimulus packages that has been announced here in Australia. So our government is taking the approach that businesses should, and they're supporting businesses, to hibernate. So what they've done is they've released a package called JobKeeper. So if you're a small, small to medium business, that can demonstrate that you've suffered or are likely to suffer a 30% loss in revenue. You're then mm -hmm. eligible for $1,500 a fortnight payments from the government to pay your staff. So you can close your doors if you need to and um, your staff will still be paid. And then when you're ready to reopen, you reopen your doors, you've got the same staff, you don't have to recruit, you don't have to retrain, your business has been in hibernation. I love the idea, I think it's a clever idea. Um, but I was talking with the accountant and I said, you know, with the stuff that we went through 18 months ago, so similar to you, 18 months ago, some really, you know, shitty stuff happened. We, uh, you know, had a bulk of people leave. We didn't rush to replace them. We shrunk down to accommodate the new normal until we, you know, until we found the new normal and um, have hit this really nice, secure and stable place with my team, um, including the Hobart team. And I said, you know, we won't be eligible. We won't be eligible for that money because we won't, I, I can't foresee us 
having a significant loss in revenue because of the changes we made. And the changes we made, we moved to, um, you know, stable um, uh, clinicians working more days a week, so fewer of them, but them mm-hmm. each working more time, employed. And we had, uh, instead of contractors, so we went the other way. We went from contra- contractors to employers. Um, we we drastically reduced our overheads everywhere we could and we doubled down on increasing our revenue streams so making sure we weren't we didn't have all our eggs in one basket uh, making sure our marketing was on point um, all of those things and I sort of am now you know with the business coaching am able to say uh, this if this is your first crisis in business it's probably you know wow what a first crisis to have Alice and I keep joking. Alison and I, you know, she, she says, I say to her, I said to her last night, how do you think you'll sleep tonight? You know, because of course today would be her first day owning the business. She said, yeah, I'm going to sleep like somebody who just bought a business during a pandemic. <laughs> 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 so, um, but if this is your first crisis in business, you're going to learn so much from this. And, you know, and those like myself who've had crises in business in the past, we learnt so much from that. And so as a business coach, I'm saying to people, look, I can, I can teach you what I did differently. I can teach you what I learnt and it might give you a little bit of a heads up on, on some of the things that you can take away from this experience. But don't wait for it to be over before you start implementing. You've got to be implementing these things now. You've got to be working on your marketing, like we are saying before. Mm-hmm. Your visibility to your community now more than ever is so important. But also, you know, you can still be looking at multiple revenue streams for your business. Um, you know, like the Clever Bookshop, you know, they're, they're pumping up the tyres on their online service and their home delivery service. Clever. They're yeah, pumping or- up the tyres on, on people who are prepared to, uh, at the moment, they're not changing, charging for home delivery, but they could. And I would pay for it. And I'm sure most people would. Yeah, I mean, I, I listen, like my brother-in-law, right? He, own, he owns this business. And, and I, I think I mentioned that his staff, even though he's in essential services, staff said, I'm not coming into work. And so yeah. I talked to him the morning when he was dealing with it. And I said, listen, man, this is, this is not a big deal. This is not a big deal for, for, the, for a bunch of reasons, right? Like one, yep. um, he's part of a system, where, he's part of a franchise system where his fees are tied to his revenue. If his revenue drops, his fees drop. Yep. Um, two, his staff aren't on the job, which means his payroll goes down to nothing. Three, yeah. the volume of work he's doing uh, is going to drop. So his cost of goods sold are going to drop. So I walked through every single step and I was like, what, the, the, the last thing is he's going to be doing all the work himself because he's still going in, which means his gross profitability is going to, his volume drops, but his gross profit on every job goes up because yeah. he doesn't have to pay anyone. Yeah. Yeah, and so when right. I broke down every single thing and it just came down to rent, and yep. it just came down to, hey, this rent that you're paying over three or four or five months will destroy you. Yeah. So call your landlord right now, yeah. like right yeah. now and tell him that he can either work together to get through this, right? Yep. The shop's taking a hit, so the landlord needs to take a hit, or they may not be a tenant in the future. And do you really want to try and find another tenant during a recession? During this time. Yeah, exactly right. right. I mean, and, I think. And when you break with, everything down that way, it's like, yeah. it's not that bad. Sometimes if you just, if you just think about, okay, you know, what are our burn rates? All of our, and I didn't know that 10 years ago. I didn't know that. I didn't even think of that five years ago because 
I grew my business. And so I watched revenue grow, expenses grow, cost of goods sold grow, everything grew. And then, so when things started to shrink on the revenue side, of course, I anticipated that all of the costs would still be up. Yep. And then suddenly I watched the costs drop too. And I went, wait, yep. obviously, maybe it's basic. <laughs> I didn't think of it. <laughs> our costs are dropping when our revenue drops because our cost of goods sold goes down as well. So, huh, okay, we can shrink. There's nothing yep. wrong with shrinking when it's strategic. That's then that's the point, the strategic part. That's, that's exactly the point. I think if we know what our longer term goal is, and at the moment for most people, the longer term goal is, is am I going to survive the next six months? And, 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 and that's all they're thinking. And I'm really pushing for people to think, hang on, don't forget the after. What's going to happen after? Um, and and where, are you going, where do you want to be after this is open? Yeah, over. So when the doors open and everybody's back out on the streets and, you know, and some people are actually saying, you know what, I don't have the stomach for this anymore. This well, is probably... They may not have and, the stomach for like, what I was going to suggest next, which is now's a great time to acquire other businesses. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. right. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you want to come out of this with four locations instead of one, turn yeah. to those people who, are, who don't have the stomach for it and say, hey, when this is all done, I'm going to pick up those locations or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's it, though. These people who don't have the stomach for it, that's, that's, it's actually okay. It's, and that's a strategic, if that's your strategic decision, that that's where you want to be after all this is over. So, for example, you know, in the mental health professions, we've had such a shortage of, of clinics. It's been so hard to recruit. Um, and I think what's going to happen is that there'll be, there'll be an opening up of people. People will leave private practice for varying reasons, some because financially it, it did them in, some because they just can't stomach the stress of the uncertainty that this might have proved for them. Um, others will just decide they want the security of an employed position. Um, and so I think we'll see a change in our recruitment capacity going forward. You know, so mm -hmm. strategic, think about where you want to be. I think um, for me, the, the idea of, of thinking longer term. So thinking about the now, how are you gonna get through this? And thinking about where you wanna be in the longer term. You've gotta have both of those conversations with yourself and you've gotta be really honest. You've gotta be really honest with yourself. Now's not the time to dick around, basically. You've gotta be really honest with yourself and say, okay, I think the honest thing that a lot of people are sort of whispering behind closed doors is the excitement around opportunity. And, and, I, and I'm always cautious when I say that because, of course, we're not talking about profiteering. We're, we're, of course, not talking about taking advantage. We're not talking about, you know, buying a packet of toilet paper and selling each roll for $10. We're talking about opportunities for innovation and opportunities yes. for recruitment and opportunities for doing things differently and perhaps more efficiently so that your business is more stable in the longer term. Um, See, that's interesting to the people you, so you, you talk to people who behind closed doors secretly see opportunity. I talk to people where all I'm thinking about is opportunity and secretly mm -hmm. behind closed doors, I'm kind of terrified that everything mm -hmm. might crumble and fall apart. So, so yeah, I, say, yeah. I, I spend 90% of my time going, this is amazing. Like again, not the human side, not the health no, side, no, not, no, not no. the risk side, the the fact we are all experiencing something together. Yeah. 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 And I think that that leaves again, grace and forgiveness yeah. and, yeah. and people are stepping up 
and, and that makes me feel so grateful for all of that stuff. And I think that people will be desperate to, to return back to normal, which means we're yeah. going to have a really bad recession followed by the fastest recovery in the history of the world. Um, yeah. You know, we don't know if this is going to be two months. You know, we already know that our, on our side, like, like everything is shut down till May 4th at least, but probably June or July. Um, so we don't know if this is a two month or a three month thing. We don't know if in September we're still going to be mm. in the same situation. Yeah. Um, but I it like 10% of my time I spend petrified and, and worried that, that everything will crumble like a house of cards and we just won't come out of it. And the other 90% of my time, I'm just like, let's go. This is, <laughs> this is uh, like, well, this is amazing. And we can do this and we can do this. And this is so great. And all of this stuff. Yeah, and I think that's the balance between the entrepreneurial spirit and then the humanity. <laughs> you know, the humanity is, uh, you know, I was talking um, with someone this morning who has some pretty significant anxiety and I said, you know, for me, uh, mo I'm like you, during the day I'm constantly talking with business owners and and also observing what businesses are doing and I'm so motivated and inspired because that's my passion, right? That's my passion. But then at nighttime, I'm hiding. So last night I was watching movies. I was watching funny movies, you know, things that make me laugh and not wanting to read the news, not wanting to watch the news, not wanting to be in there at all. During the day, I'm absorbing everything because I need to be across it all so that I can be the calm, steady person for my business clients. At nighttime, I don't want to hear any more about it. And then when I'm asleep, so just before I wake up every morning lately, I'm having a very stressed dream. Not the I've same one. I've had a few. Really stressed dreams. And they're not about my business. They're about my children or myself becoming unwell. Mm -hmm. So, you know, last night I dreamt that I was in a hotel and, had, and that I started coughing and I couldn't, couldn't stop coughing. And mm -hmm. not only was I walking through a hotel coughing, I was naked. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so all the anxieties are flying in there, right? Um, <clears throat> but those dreams are just, you know, that's just that's where the anxiety is, is squeezing out. That's where that humanity is squeezing out of me. It's in those dreams. And so I'm kind of, now that I'm aware that that's what's happening, that's what I'm doing, that's, my, that's how my brain is processing it, I can tolerate that. That's okay. As long as I can be that calm, steady person for my business clients during the day, then I feel like I've, and for my children, of course, I feel like I'm, I'm finding a balance. I have to say, um, maybe, maybe this is um, normal, but I am sleeping so much more. I'm, I'm requiring so much more sleep these yes. last few weeks. Yes. Because yeah. I still go yeah. to bed around nine or 10, I fall asleep. Yeah. Um, but I usually get up at 4.45. Yeah. Um, so that gives me, what, seven hours of sleep. But yeah. I have not been setting my alarm and I've been sleep getting up at six or 6.30 or even seven, which <gasps> is like, which is like the other day I got 10 hours Hell of sleep. Well. I got 10 hours of sleep and halfway through the day, I was still exhausted. I'm still I'm jogging. Making myself a night. I'm making myself a note. I'm going to do a live stream on sleep. Okay. Because. It, I'm, I, I, it, listen, I think I spend all day like this, all tensed up. And then by the end of the day, I'm just like, yeah. oh, I'm exhausted. Yeah. My yeah, wife yeah. went to the grocery store today. She went to yeah. Costco today and she had to wait an hour and 15 minutes in line to get in. She spent the entire time so on edge that when she came back two and a half hours, it took her to go to the shops to get groceries. When she came back, she was like, 
she went and had to take a nap. She was exhausted yeah. because yeah. she spent like two hours in fight or flight mode. And, yeah. and it was just like, it, it, she was wiped. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's it. That's another reason why I'm staying with the small businesses. It's partially strategic. I don't want to go anywhere near a supermarket at the moment. Um, but the sleep thing, I think it's something that, um, I'm hearing a lot of people saying that they're sleeping just later. Stop setting my alarm. I just don't set my well, alarm now. I get up yeah. when I get up and, yeah, yeah. and I face the day whenever that is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in the moment at the moment, I'm in the process of rejigging my diary because I don't want early meetings anymore during this period of time. Um, because I'm noticing the same in myself that I'm I'm finding it very hard to wake up. And so part of it is because, oh, we're at home and we're in the womb. But actually, I think the reality is we are in a constant state of absorbing and processing information, constant state of having to make decisions, like even the decision to just go and get some milk. It's like it requires a strategic plan to decide Mm -hmm. whether or not to go and get milk. Um, We're constantly, you know, trying to work and entertain our children and keep the keep all the balls in the air. And I think we are all perhaps missing the fact that, yeah, we are actually requiring a lot more of ourselves. Just changing your routine uh, will require a, po- a process of transition and change and transition requires your brain to do things differently, which means you're requiring more energy to process things. And this is why we're having dreams and this is why we're having, you know, difficulty waking in the morning. And I think what I'm hearing is I'm hearing people criticising themselves for being lazy and not getting up earlier like they used to. Instead, I think people need to practice some self-compassion and recognize this is what their brain and their body need right now. It won't be like this forever. You won't, well, you won't was, be like yeah, this forever. I was beating myself up for at first. And then I went, yeah. well, clearly I need this. You know, like if, mm. if I don't set my alarm and I get up at 5.30, 6, 6.30, yeah. depending on the day. Yep. So it's still within a range of reasonable to yep. me. I'm not waking up at 9.30 in the morning or 10 in the morning, but mm. um but the most telling thing is like right now it's 9 p.m. and I can already tell like I'm 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 tired. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. if it's not like if if I'm getting up at seven and I'm staying up till midnight, then all I'm doing is shifting my hours. But that's it. I, I'm still that's going it. to bed at nine or ten. If I need nine or ten hours sleep one night, then I'm just going to say this is what I need. Yeah, that's but it. It's crazy. Think, Everyone's you know, think, sleeping more. I think everybody needs to just practice a little bit more self compassion. Uh, and I think everybody needs to also recognize we're still in a, we're still in a change process. Mm. So we're in a, we're in a phase of transition and change and adjustment and adjustment is, is a tiring process, you know, in the, um, in the mental health menu of things that you could be experiencing. Um, you know, there is an adjustment a, a diagnosis called adjustment disorder and adjustment disorder is basically where you've experienced something big and you've had time to process that, recover from that, and then six months after that has all resolved, you're still stuck and still not not processing. Uh, you still haven't recovered. So we call mm. that an adjustment disorder. We are yet to see the mental health blowout uh, of, of what this prolonged exposure to uncertainty and change is going to do to to members of, to to us. We, yeah. we just don't know. It may even, you know, we may have to come up with some new diagnostic categories for what happens when you're exposed to something like this for as long as, as we will be. You know, the isolation, the families, the stress, the relationship crises, all of the stuff. Um, so self-compassion. Well, but, but at the same time, you know, 
the greatest generation got through a few different wars. Yeah. Uh, and they didn't know, have it's like, Zoom it's to like, connect This is the hardest thing humanity's ever faced. <laughs> yeah. You know, having to stay home for a few you weeks know, isn't the worst that, thing you know, ever. I've got two grandmothers, both in their early 90s, both of whom live independently in their own homes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they are the most calm people that I'm speaking to at the moment. They're like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Been there, done my, that, got my grandfather. You know, like they just... My grandfather came back from Florida and um, he's 91. Um, You know, if we really, really don't want him to get this, it would be very serious if he did. Yeah, yeah. Um, But he's in isolation for two weeks because he traveled. And um, my grandmother passed three years ago. And so last week was her third anniversary of her passing. And I knew he'd be alone and he can't see anyone. He doesn't mm-hmm. hear very well. He, he, he has trouble speaking because he had throat cancer and stuff. So he's just mm-hmm. a very quiet, strong man. But I called him up and I said, you know, like when I was a kid, when I was a boy, we used to go for walks all the time because we live in a part of the city where there's lots of ravines and paths and stuff. And we used to go for three, four hour walks and he would pack lunches and we do that. And so I called him up and I said, hey, tomorrow's supposed to be really nice. The weather's supposed to be nice. Can I drive into the city? And can we just go for a walk together? And I won't come into your house and I'll stay six feet away from you. Um, He doesn't really talk very much. I don't really have much to say, but can we just go for a walk together? So he said, yeah, yeah, that'd be sure. Okay, that'd be great. And so I I told my kids I was going and then they of course were like, we wanna go too. So we show up (laughs) at his place on his driveway and I call him up and he comes out of the door and he goes, hold on. He sees the kids and he goes, hold on a second. He goes back in the house. And like three minutes later, he comes back out, glasses on, we go for a walk and I'm keeping the kids away. You know, like I don't want, I don't want them to touch him or anything. So the kids were walking along. We went for like a one hour walk in the sun. It's beautiful. It's spring here. So it's our first day where the sun has like some heat to it. And we had a, we had a beautiful walk together and he told some stories and, and it's my old neighborhood I grew up in. So I'm telling the kids, oh, I went to public school there. And, and this is where your aunt, this is the house your aunt grew up in and all of this stuff. And then at the end, he goes, hold on, I have something for you. He goes in the house and he comes back out. And my grandfather's German. So in Germany, they have these little gummy bears um, that, that are like German made. And he always collects them. He bags them up. The kids always know that he has them in his pockets. But he, he just reaches out, out his hand like this and goes, these are for you. And, I, and so I, I take the bag and he drops it in my hands. And I'm like, oh, cor- now quarantine. Like I can't. So, what am I supposed to do with these gummy bears? So I said, thank you so much. Because he knows the kids love them. What he did was when he saw the kids, he went back in the house and he bagged up all these little bags. So then I, so then I walk like this carefully and I just put them in the back of my truck. They're still sitting back there. I haven't touched them in a week. <laughs> They're still sitting there. Like, Can we eat them? And I'm like, no, the gummy bears are in quarantine. Nobody's touching the gummy bears. <laughs> They're in quarantine. Isn't it like surfaces for three days or something like that? Three or five days? Maybe, but I don't know. These are pretty gummy, pretty sticky, pretty sugary gummy bears. You you might need to order some online and pretend they were from him. No, the kids know. I'd probably give it another week and then I'll, that'll be two weeks of quarantine. Anyway, but, but yeah, I mean, my grandfather is like one. It's like, I I really wanted, I really wanted to make sure I spent time with him. Um, Yeah. They, yeah. He is, you know, a refugee from Lithuania into Germany during World War II, yeah, yeah. witnessed all kinds of stuff. They, we've lived through harder things than this. And even, yeah. it doesn't diminish how hard this is, 
No, no, but, no, no. But we've lived through And that's what my grandmothers, life. my grandmothers are saying similar things. And, um, you know, it struck me, I think it hit me the other day that I can't go and travel to see them. Like I can't go and see them. And I, I've, obviously I've moved to Melbourne now and uh, it's an effort to go and visit them anyway, even without quarantine and stuff. But I literally would be institutionalised for two weeks um, if I went to Tasmania and then it would be stupid to go and visit, you know, 90-year-old women. Um, and it, it did hit me. It hit me. Like if something happened, and we've now got rules around funerals and weddings too, like how many people can attend and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it hit me. If anything happened, you know, this is, this is, this is a turning point. You know, this is potentially it really. Um, and all I could think to do was send them some flowers and a box of chocolates. And, um, and obviously, can you, you know, obviously- can you send them a brand new iPhone? <laughs> I that could they can turn on and then you can FaceTime them. Yeah. Oh, well, no, I can do all that. No, I can do all that. So one of Oh, they know how to do that? Can, okay. My grandfather does not know how one of them can the, the, the other one refuses. The other one refuses. Oh, but yeah. that's okay. I, I mean, I can talk to them on the phone. I know all of that. But I felt like I needed to do something tangible and and I'm, it was all about making me feel better. I, you know, I, I almost never send them flowers, but it's, it was, it was about making me feel better that I had done something symbolic to tell them just how much I love them. And obviously, you know, it cheered them up and that was beautiful, but it, I'm hundred percent open about this. It was all about me. It made me feel better knowing that I had done something to something yes. symbolic and, you know, and I will speak with them and, and do all those things too and FaceTime and stuff like that. But, um, I think the enforced physical distance is is a challenge for me. My, my I'm not near any of my family. They're all in different parts of Australia. So, um, you know, it's uh, it just is what it is, and I just have to yep. hope for the best. So. Well, I I think we can still figure this out. You know, like yeah, Louis in my office. Um, we haven't. Yeah. We decided a few months ago we were going to go out and see movies together. I love yep. seeing movies. He loves seeing movies. We never go out. So we said, let's just go see a movie every once in a while. We can't. So we decided yeah. that I am going to, tomorrow night, I think it is, I'm going mm-hmm. to load up a movie on Netflix. He's yep. going to load up a movie on Netflix and, and we're going to hit play at the same time. And Zoom and together as well. We're going, to, we're going to Zoom call so that way we can watch the movie together. Yeah, I love it. And, I love it. And comment. Just like when I was a kid, I used to watch TV yeah. and then call my friend and they'd watch the same TV show. And then, did you uh, ever do that? Where you would, no, you'd, I don't think I ever did that. No, oh, I used, would, no, I, did, I never did that. But I'd get my friends. My friends would come and stay at my house, ah, and we would. This I lived in the teenager. country. I lived in a rural area where where all we could do is phone our friend, and and we would sit there for three hours. Yeah, we no. would watch TV and then talk. Yeah, no. Not say anything for thirty minutes. Sometimes talk during the commercials. All those things. I love that. I love that idea. It's, it's so we're gonna do that. Good, we're, gonna watch, we're gonna watch a movie together. A really bad I one, I think. We're gonna pick a cheesy action movie. We're gonna make fun of it the entire time. Nice. And uh, yeah, and that's just as good as going to the theater. I think that's brilliant. I think it's brilliant. I'm actually having um, I'm having drinks tonight at well this afternoon at four o'clock uh, with all of the Tasmanian staff members of my practice and now Alison's practice. Nice. Um, so we were meant to be. Obviously, I was meant to be there. We were gonna have a big dinner. But what we're doing instead is we're doing a Zoom call. We're all going to catch up together um, from all over Tasmania because they're a bit spread out and um, catch up and have a glass of wine and a chat and just not talk about work, just celebrate each other. So 
again, that's some of the, some of the excitement, you know, I think, you know, as, as dark and heavy as it can get with what we're all facing, there's also those moments of levity and joy and fun and innovation that we can bring into it. And I think that we have to just embrace that. We have to do that. We have to be, Mm -hmm. I was talking to my aunt the other day and she was talking about missing her grandchildren who she spends a lot of time with. Um, but she lives in a coastal town in Tasmania and I was telling her about Zoom and how she could get all of the kids at the one time onto Zoom and have this great big party with yes. her on Zoom. So she's very excited. She's going to try that out. Yeah, we've, so. been, we've been doing that with our family and um, even, even Thursdays, Thursdays at 4.30 uh, in the yeah. company, we have this half an hour. We just call it Let's Hang Out, y'all. And we're not allowed to talk about work. Everybody shows up. Like this afternoon when we did it, gosh, they started talking about like old, terrible uh, shops, you know, like, like just really terrible ones where you go in and there's like weird, like butterfly nets with like um, uh, string cheese, like, you know, in the same shop, like, <laughs> yeah. like why, and why fishing are all lures. these here? Fishing lures. You know, yes. Fishing lures and fishnet stockings, you know. Like yes. <laughs> yes. And then like watering cans mixed with like bags of chips or whatever, like, you know, yeah, yeah. Or, or suddenly there's like a big sale on potatoes, like for no reason. So I don't know. We spent half an hour talking about this and I was like, I was like sitting there. I'm like, really? But I'm thinking, no, this is what, this is what extroverted people do. Yeah. They that's what they hang do. out with each other. They hang and talk and talk nonsense. Talk nonsense. Exactly right. Exactly. All exactly. right, I think we well, I think we won this one because we we kind of we're kind of excited, we're kind of embracing the change, and we're cheering on businesses to innovate. We're cheering on businesses to keep visually present. Please keep visually present for your community. Yes. I want to know what you're doing. I want to know that you still exist, and I'm just one human on this planet. Lots of humans on this planet would like to know that you're still going. You're still doing. I stuff. don't care that much, but it still won't offend me if you tell me anyway. <laughs> And that's the thing. You care and that's great. I, I care, don't care, but I still I'm... won't be offended if you tell me about it. Well, this is true, actually. But this is the point. You know, so many people do get scared of the people who don't care. Forget the people who don't care. Forget Mark. Just focus on me. <laughs> I want to know and I want a relationship with you if you're good, if you're good. And what I mean by that is if you've got a shit product, I'm not going to care. I'm going to be one of the Marks of the world. But, but even got, so, even so, you're not going to write back and say, how dare no, you communicate? No, no like you just hit delete. No. You don't care. It's not a big you deal. You don't care. Not so whether deal. it's an email or Facebook or Twitter, it doesn't matter. Pick one and be consistent and let us know you live. Go. your business is breathing and you've got a plan and all of this sort of stuff. So, mm-hmm. hmm. yeah. <laughs> I like it. All right. I'm going like to stop recording Good now. afternoon. Good night. To all of our loved friends. Hang on, I don't want to end just yet.